Yeah, I've started recording. Don't worry. <laughs> Anyways, what I was done, I mean, what we were discussing was the fact that anything that traveled through, uh, uh, traveled through land was, I think, called tea, and anything that traveled to sea was called chai. No, the other way around. I'm not sure though. Anything that traveled by sea was tea, and anything apparently that mm. traveled through land was called chai. And then Americans started calling it chai tea. <laughs> so that's there. Americans are stupid, dude. Yeah, Americans are, Americans stupid. are stupid. You, I've just started realizing very recently. I was uh, I was recording a podcast this morning. I was telling this to my other friends also that uh, we truly have wasted so much time thinking that the world revolves around America. That is not funny anymore. Imagine the amount of time I must have actually spent on. Uh, a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of uh, news channels which are American, and now I realize that that has no bearing on me. And those fuckers don't even know that we exist. And no, they, don't. they don't. They're like India, yeah, man, India, like well, what part of the world, man? And uh, and this is true, right? This is not like some uh, offended remark on them. They just have no clue about us. Absolutely none. The British obviously know because obviously, like you know, you have to know the ones you stole from. But uh, no, but you know, but uh, that is also true. That's also true. But the thing is, uh, I think the British in general have a better awareness of the world. Except their own colonial history. Pretty much, they pretty much rule the world. Yeah. Sun never set on the kingdom, so. Yeah. So but, but uh, the Americans don't give a fuck, and I, and I started realizing, right, like all the protests that are going on and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure you enjoy the pop culture and everything. And it's nice. It's very nice. It's great. Uh, good luck to that. But why do you give a fuck about uh, American social issues? I don't mean it like in a nasty way. What I'm just saying is why would you want to care? No, why would you? Why, why, why? Like that day someone asked me something at work, like something about Democrats and Republicans. And I said, I don't know. Yeah, so, exactly. Like, you should know. Like why? why? Why should I know? Yeah. What does it do to me? It does nothing. That system of democracy doesn't even exist in India, so I have no reason to even read it, read about it. And yeah, there's some Antifa and all that is happening. What do I care? I don't care. Dude, that's nothing to do with my world. Nothing at all. Has nothing and to do with my mother also was telling me that day, oh, your cousins are going through so much because the education is now suddenly this, is that. Uh, your other cousins were there on some H1B visa that might get revoked. And I was like, okay. She was like, you don't know this, you should know, you should be aware of all this. I said, okay, I'm aware of a lot of other things. This has nothing to do with me. <laughs> I, this has nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going for a PhD. I never studied there. I don't have like. I have. I. I had friends. I still don't give a shit. Like I have cousins. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Who I mean, guy Who asked you to go there? <laughs> Come back then. <laughs> like it's stupid. That, yeah. I mean, there was, and I, it's only started coming to me like uh, very recently as I grow up more and more, right? And I realize uh, how fucked things are in this part of the world. And if you wanted to talk about the problems of, uh, say, Malaysia, Indonesia, for that sake, and you know, like you know, the, like the guys who are closer in a in a in a small way to us, uh, and then mm. there's like a lot to be found out over there as compared to like like some like Seattle being overtaken by some like bunch of chutias. Who gives a fuck? Like who gives a and, fuck about Seattle? Like, who gives yeah, a fuck? Exactly. Like, who gives a fuck if they're I don't know. Like, okay, black guys have been killed there. Okay, well, I mean, black guys have been killed everywhere. People have been killed everywhere. Okay, that's fine. But black lives matter. I don't have to care about black lives matter because I am not there in that society. Exactly. There are no black guys in our society. And of course, black Party. lives matter. I'm not going yeah. to say it doesn't matter, but I don't care about what's happening. I don't need to have a minute by minute update about what's happening. Our celebrities were. I don't even have a minute by minute update about what Sushant Singh Rajput's case is going on. What's happening <laughs> with that case? What can I do with Black Lives Matter, bro? But look, a Bollywood star is murdered, okay, whatever, is foul play. And I don't care about it in my backyard. Why would I care about some shit happening across the world? Some chutas don't even know about us. Yeah. Who cares about us? Fuck all, man. But that's been the case since we were kids, huh? And it's still continuing, by the way. They're not letting go. America still holds that reign. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's a there's a book which very recently came out. Friend of mine was telling me about it. It's by Fatima Bhutto. Uh, she's huh. a Pakistani writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, yeah one of the relatives of I don't know what exactly her relation is to Benazir Bhutto, but uh, it's, uh, it's she's a niece, right? I I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, she's a niece. But the book revolves around. She's promoting the, a book on Instagram. Yes. That book. So, yeah. Yes. So it's about the it's about how slowly 
but surely the pop culture epicenter of the world is shifting from west to east right and the countries that she talks about are pakistan uh, to an extent india definitely india if i mean pakistan is going to be there india definitely has to be there and that's <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> and 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 turkey and this is like that like how some of these Not countries korea korea japan i'm Should pretty sure south korea, korea is like mad right south korea is yeah. like crazy yeah. i mean okay. uh, k-pop dude k-pop yeah k-pop has been yeah. around k-pop has been there like biggest pop culture export uh for the longest time yeah but now california girls and i'm like, totally into it now it's like it's like mainstream yeah it's, and it's like we are back to discussing america again think about that See, that's what because that 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 is how that is what will give the legit status right that we have taken something away from them or we have entered their lives in some way imagine our biggest export right now in the last 10 years is rajesh kutrapalli from big bang who's that guy i don't he's that indian character on that uh, show ah oh yeah 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 one of the actual characters there are four guys in that show he's on yeah he's on before him was apu from the simpsons if hey, i like that show i like that show You know, Apu was played by Hank Azaria, right? Who's that? I don't know that either. Hank Azaria is that uh, producer, writer, director from New York. He's also he's also that uh, weird uh, researcher from Friends who goes to Minsk and comes and bangs Phoebe every couple of seasons. Got it. Got With it, the specs, he's yeah. the same guy. He he plays multiple characters on the show. He gives voice, lends voices to multiple characters. He was in Godzilla, the the first Godzilla in 1998 when we were kids. He was the the journalist guy with the fucking camera running around. Doctor, how do you remember this shit? I have no clue. I, have I don't know, man. Pop culture. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. America's also. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't even remember the first first Godzilla. I don't know, man. And that was the. Dude, Matthew Broderick was in first Godzilla. I don't even know. And then the, the French guy from uh, Pink Panther and uh, Leon, uh, Leon, Leon, Leon. Yeah, Steve Martin ke saath and Leon, the, uh, the movie Leon with Natalie Portman as a 13-year-old. He's a hitman who protects the girl. You know, seen the French movie? The only What's French guy Gustav I know. Shit. Okay, one second. I don't know if it's Gustav. Just because he's French doesn't mean he's Gustav. <laughs> one second. <laughs> the only French guy I know is uh, what's his face, Vincent Cassel. Okay, he's Belgian, right? <laughs> he's good. He's good. <laughs> I know. I'm messing with you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh like uh, his name is ha uh, john reno john reno hey john reno i know he was also in ronin the very cool guy yes long nose yes very cool very well, cool yeah, yeah. that weird hook nose right yeah 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 he's pretty cool yeah in in godzilla was pretty cool i was like oh, wow french generals can be really cool and stuff oh he's <laughs> being vincent cassel vincent cassel is french right today is probably french. probably the best looking dude in the world according to One of the best looking dudes. I don't know why he looks Russian to me. He doesn't look French to me. No root. He opens his mouth. He looks so Russian in this wiki on this Wikipedia page at least. In this pic, he's so Russian to it. Where there's probably the shape there, um, is it? I don't know. It's just my name is Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, totally. He's totally Russian. <laughs> well, I don't know what looking French means, but <laughs> but yeah, he looks Russian to me. He was awesome in that Ocean's Twelve, now. Oh yeah, yeah that dude. That scene he, was he was a, he was the main dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're playing that really. That's cool the only song. good scene in the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the only. That's, good that's the only good thing in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Remember that's that soundtrack? Beautiful. It's a beautiful soundtrack. It's beautiful. That movie sort of was shitty. So slick. Yeah. So slick. The that soundtrack was, was so slick of all three movies. Bravo. But twelfth one was the weakest. The, Oceans. Yeah, where they basically go to Europe and then they steal from this dude that golden egg. Yeah. 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 That one. For Fabergé's egg or something. So I don't know if you remember Rick and Morty did a like a whole episode sort of mocking that whole genre. Uh, it's I think it's it's something on double crossing, like how like there is a convention of a uh, world world greatest uh, heist uh, artists. And uh, uh-huh. Rick Sanchez goes in there, and he sort of you know shits all over them. And uh, like the whole the whole episode is constructed in a way where he's just like taking a shit on the Ocean series. Like even the even the background, even the soundtrack, it's like it's insane. It's like yeah. heist, double heist, double double heist, <laughs> and <laughs> double insane. double cross. Yeah, yeah, and he basically double creates cross. a yeah he creates a robot 
who basically uh, like is programmed to double cross it, and so it just goes into a place where like <laughs> it just goes into a. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I was like half the episode. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? But uh, you know, it's a mad episode. We gotta check that out, man. You haven't seen the new season, have you? Oh man, I haven't. I haven't caught up with Rick and Marty. I saw the first episode of the new season. I don't know what happened after that. I don't know. I will check it out. Right now, I'm actually watching Raid Ornament. What's that? It's a it's a it's a drama on uh, Prime. It's a Showtime series. It features Liev Schreiber. You know Liev Schreiber, the saber tooth from Wolverine movie. Do you know do you know that guy? Naomi Watts' uh, ex-husband, basically. See, I know so much about. Uh, <laughs> Pop culture. Yeah, man. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. So he, I, it's a very, it's very interesting. His, he, his father in that, in the show is John Voight, who is Angelina Jolie's father. It's an awesome series, actually. It's a, very, it's a really cool drama series. Since Breaking Bad, I haven't really been hooked on to something like Breaking Bad and True Detective, of course. I haven't been hooked on to something. One. True Detective season one. Yeah, I haven't seen season three yet. I don't want to. I don't know why. I'll ease into it later on. But yeah, it's very, very cool. Season shows one very cool. was uh, something. Season one was something. Yeah. Season was. I, I, I. Yes. You should check out his uh, short story, man. Who's? Both words. It's on Grantha. Check out his short story. His first short story that got selected when he was like twenty-two or something. Who? It's a very interesting story. Who? who, who Nico Pizzolatto, the writer of oh. True yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. It's very interesting. It's it's free. it's available for free on Grantha. You can just check it out. Ghost Birds. Dhamtha, so, I mean. He's like okay, so he's like a proper uh, novelist. He's a novelist. Yeah, yeah, he's a novelist. Then he he started writing for TV shows when he I think some he came across some agent in Hollywood, and uh, they were like, why don't you just write a show for us? And believe it or not, in six months he wrote True Detective. Yeah. That show fucking Crazy. gave me the creepies, man. Uh, yeah. And 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 that like the, the, one of the reasons why it gave me also the, like that sort of creepies was because, I mean, uh, like the location that they shot it in, na. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That vast expanse of uh, land, like the Louisiana land, right? That almost plays like an like the antagonist of the show. The location yeah, yeah, yeah. is the villain in a way. Which, yeah. which, which is essentially what like Anurag Kashyap also did so well in uh, Gangs of Vasipur. Like, Vasipur, yeah. Yeah, like nothing is solved in Vasipur, right? Like it's like, uh, like people are dying till the last scene, and like one of the things that eventually uh, Faisal's, I think Faisal's wife, right, Uma Kureshi, Faisal's wife. Spoiler alert! If you haven't seen it yet, then what the fuck are you doing? But uh, she eventually, I think, migrates to another city. And I think yeah, she goes to Bombay. Yeah, she goes to Bombay. I think and it's Kurla. They show Kurla in the ending sequence. I don't know if they show Kurla. And, and, and that, that guy is still there, huh? That yeah, guy exactly. Is still That's there. what I'm saying. So, so, the location by itself, and which is, which is, uh, which is such a actually a very dark way to end something because that means unless you escape from the place by yourself, yeah, uh, yeah, there is nothing solved. No matter how good a person, how bad a person you are, and. Uh, Make sure, make you start thinking about all these uh, crazy places uh, where people are not able to escape from. Like if you are living in the say northwest frontier of Pakistan, for that sake, or if you are living in, uh, if you if you are living in one of those uh, countries like Liberia and all in uh, Africa, where where the opportunities like there there is no opportunity. First of all, you either sort of uh, join hands with the people who are uh, indulging in something which is that crazy. Or you become a victim, and third is you like you sort of try to run away from there, and yeah. that I think is so well so well captured uh, in Vasubur and all these things because the place by itself is a villain. It's a character, right? It's always it's a, a character. It's a character. It's a character. Yeah, so it's all great works of art are always depend on the cities. Like you can't escape Bombay with midnight children. You can't escape Bombay with Salam Bombay. Even Dubai Ghat, you can't escape Bombay, right? Gali Boy, you can't escape Bombay, for instance. But uh, Louisiana is like one of those really creepy places, man, with the swamps and stuff, and like uh, those pagan like rituals and shit like that. It just it just gets to you after some time, especially when children are involved, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. It's very, very scary. Scary, scary world. You know, another movie like Black Hawk Down. Have you seen Black Hawk Down? In parts. Well, their shit hits the fan like how, right? And that just tells you what Mogadishu is all about. At least Mogadishu in the 90s. Isn't Mogadishu so like, still fucked? It's still fucked, but those days, in the 90s, when that happened, the entire city turned on them, dude. Two choppers crashed in the middle of Mogadishu and warlords just got on their asses. It's crazy. It's like one of the greatest action movies I've seen in a long time, man. I don't think anything still tops it. It was Tom Hardy's first movie, I think. He was there in that. A lot of of big guys were there in that. A lot of big guys who who went on to become big. At that time, there were still good actors only. But uh, even this guy was there from Munich. What's his name? And uh, Roy. The Hector guy. Eric Bana, yeah. Eric Bana. That guy is a a freaking gem, man. I love the guy. uh, Do I play such a badass in the movie? It's crazy. I I have fuck. Yeah. I've never probably gone gone around seeing the whole movie because uh, you should. I, I, yeah, I was a kid, man. Kid. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like Mogadishu. It's just Mogadishu screams at you there. It's not it's not the warlords and everything. It's actually the city itself. In fact, similarly, even there's another movie called The Lone Survivor with Ma, I think Matt Damon is there in it. Not Matt Damon. Sorry, what's his name? Mark Wahlberg. Hmm. It's actually a true story. Some some marines get uh, caught up in the valleys of Afghanistan. A mission gets botched. The location gets found out, and within within like an hour, those Pashtuns are on them in a mountain, and they're fucking their happiness. And what happens is ultimately, uh, this this is one guy who's played by Mark Wahlberg's character, right? True story. He somehow escapes through the mountains, and he lands up in an Afghani village. And there, that that village uh, is sort of still fighting the Taliban. Okay, they're not accepted Taliban as their whatever their religious moral leaders and all that. They still abide by their 2,000-year-old code called Pashtuni, where it is your moral obligation to actually help a stranger out if they are in deep trouble. The entire village comes together and saves this man and fights the Taliban immediately afterwards. It's crazy until, until of course, reinforcements come and pick up this guy and uh, he's, he's free. That's why he's called the lone survivor. So there again, things go, things hit, like shit hits the fan in minutes, okay? Because the Pashtuns are pretty badass. Talibani guys are pretty badass in the mountains, right? And uh, they, they, the, the Marines are like super like hardcore and they're so well trained. They can't believe that those guys actually ran up the mountain in like an hour and they've already surrounded them. And they're just looking in this sheer panic and then uh, Mark Wahlberg's character says, you know, listen, don't worry, it's just Afghanistan. So <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was uh, reading location. about, I was reading about this bunch of people the other day uh, because you said uh, the these guys like, you know, have an op- like a lot of people haven't sort of uh, uh, accepted Taliban, right? Still, and um, I mean, there was a time that the Taliban, Talibanis sort of got into Pakistan also, and so Pakistanis yeah. in, uh, in 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 the northwest and I think uh, around the Afghani border region. Swat Valley, the yeah. Swat Valley, and yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, they started forming their own uh, local militia to sort of protect themselves mm. and their own colonies yeah, yeah, yeah. against uh, right. against the uh, Talibanis. They were like, yeah. we're not going to give in to these. Motherfuckers. So, yeah. You, yeah, and they've got the collaborations and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, they were, they were like, uh, they were sort of funded by multiple governments, came whichever came and went, but they didn't accept the Taliban's rule. They didn't accept the code, the code of the student, right? They didn't accept it. In fact, there was this, uh, what's his name, uh, Shah Masood or something. I don't know. He's called, he's called the Lion of Panjshir. In the nineties, he was the only. Uh, only guy to stand up to Taliban and he was funded by the US for the longest time, but eventually he was assassinated. Shere Panshir is what his his uh, name is. I'm just searching this guy out. He's, he was another Shere Panshir. Panjshir. Ahmad Shah Masood. So he was an Afghan politician and military commander. Was he from so he the was, uh, Northern Alliance? Was he, he was, I think he was part of the Northern Alliance. Something like that, yeah. So in the 90s, he was the only guy who was actually fighting. Uh, so he fought the Russians, then he fought the Taliban also immediately afterwards. He didn't accept that the Taliban uh, had any the, right over the yeah. land. Yeah. So he, he believed they had no right. So he was funded by the US for the longest time. Ultimately, he was assassinated. So See, that's the thing, right? Like a lot of these places, the only way out sometimes is assassination. And, uh, or or mm-hmm. so either fight, you get assassinated. 
and uh, you, you used to we live by the sport. Yeah, yeah, you, and which is which is what I find really crazy about a lot of these places. And obviously, you feel grateful, right? I mean, you're living in places like Bombay and Bangalore and stuff like that, and you're like, okay, at least nobody's coming to. Like not every day anybody sort of coming out here. With yeah, clothes. you don't have to worry at all when you step out of the yeah. house. I mean, you don't have to worry about like these kind of things. Like precisely, but but these places are a lot more in the world than we sort of care to believe more often than not. They are in India also, right? I mean, I'm sure there are so many badlands in India we don't know about. For sure, for sure. I would I, I mean, would start with Bihar, UP will have so many. I would, I would start with Kashmir, man. I mean, yeah, like you don't know what the fuck is coming to you. What about a red like, forest, Central India, Jharkhand side, Chhattisgarh? Oh fuck! All the way down till Gadchiroli. You're doomed if you're with the government, and you're more doomed if you're with the Naxal side. Yeah. yeah, like you're screwed. You're screwed. Those are bad lands, man. Things can go wrong. Like, like this. I don't know if it's improved now. We don't hear many reports, right? But I'm sure, like, violence is there in India everywhere. Outside the outside the metro, they're still not safe. I don't think it's that safe. I think we we overplay safety that way. I think to some extent. I was, like, can uh, you imagine you 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 have you have like a pot of gold and a wallet, and you you were asked to make a road trip through the entire breadth of Uttar Pradesh, okay, into Bihar, <laughs> then bypass Calcutta. You think that's your last refuge? No, you are asked to bypass Calcutta, go through rural Bengal. And somehow reach something like I don't know some Jorhat or something in Assam. So I don't know. I don't have any stories about Bengal, and none of my relatives live there. But Uttar Pradesh and uh, Bihar, uh, I know at least two or three people in my uh, extended my father's friend circle and my our family who got just mugged on the street. So in in Uttar Pradesh, uh, not in, in Uttar Pradesh, in South Uttar Pradesh, just on the Madhya Pradesh border, there is uh, this 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 caste slash tribe whatever you want to call it like a group of people or like sort of bandits who are called kabutre and i think i've told you about this before kabutra kabutre uh, kabutre basically are bandits okay and what they do is uh, uh, they essentially will take your stuff and this is real this is for real because this is something i know which has happened first hand to people i know but they'll beat you up and even if you say take my wallet and take my money and all that stuff and beat you uh, like you know, they're like, हम मेहनत की खाते हैं. So, like the, the, the code is to eventually beat you up because unless they do it, they've not earned it. And and then they put a lot of oil on their body so you cannot catch them if there's a bunch of people. And they've been around. Uh, they've been around in the areas like Jhansi and Orcha for the longest time. And obviously, Jhansi and which place? Orcha, Orcha. Have you heard of Orcha? Orcha, O O R C H A, Orcha. Where is it? In Uttar Pradesh. Uh, Madhya Pradesh, North Madhya Pradesh. In Madhya Pradesh. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have a story about how yeah. once I almost drowned in the Orcha River when I was really young, but that's for later. <laughs> but Orcha is a very Orcha is a historic town. Uh, yeah, yeah. It had it basically had its own kingdom, and uh, the interesting bit about Orcha is, uh, from what I've heard, is when Chandrasekhar Azad was uh, uh, like was. Like when the British were after him, he sort of uh, was there and hiding for a long time, and he sort of hid under the garb of uh, uh, a sannyasi or something, if I'm not mistaken. I actually have to look that story up, but it's pretty legendary for that for Chandrasekhar Azad. And uh, so yeah, what I was saying was Orcha, Jhansi, and then obviously like the extended parts of Chambal, because that's not very far from Chambal. Because if even mm. if you're going from uh, from from these from Bombay to Jhansi, by the time you're Closing, you know, as you start seeing a lot of jumble around it. So, so they these people exist over there, and they will they will come after you. They'll kill you if need be, if if it, that's what the situation demands. But at least the least they can do is beat you up. And the crazy incidents, man, that that have happened in that area. So Uttar Pradesh by itself is like a bit of a it's 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 crazy. I know this. I mean, I've I've literally seen some. Uh, some local goons, and because because I keep going to Uttar Pradesh all the time, uh, because I have family over there, like a lot of family over there, pretty much everywhere in Uttar Pradesh. Uh, I've seen uh, local goons, not goons, they just yeah, whatever you want to call it, mafia goons, whatever, running uh, running their own tolls. <laughs> you have to pay them tax to go from one part of the city to another. 
So that sort of stuff exists. So obviously, like uh, you cannot take a pot of gold and some cash with you and go from Uttar Pradesh to or Bihar to yeah, very and and Bengal is like a freaking I, travesty in itself. I think Bengal actually, you know, the thing is, uh, is just gundas from what I've heard in rural Bengal. I I don't know. I just I've just heard stories. We when I was in Calcutta, just a maid used to talk about uh, how dangerous it is really in rural Bengal. It's not uh, it's not that uh, it's not that green and you know hunky dory there. It's very interesting that you talk told me about kabutre because is is it like a thuggy? Is it like a thuggy? Is it similar to thuggy culture? Thuggy. Because thuggies are like morally not morally but their uh, society binds them to actually kill, right? Strangle. I don't know. I've been reading a book. So, okay. I've just started reading a book about thuggy because I wanted to write a bit about them. But uh, last I checked was like the whole system as itself was outlawed and like the British went after thuggies. Uh, with the, after the thugs or thuggies for a long time, like to sort of eliminate them. But what happened to the whole culture? And maybe we can just take it up tomorrow also if we want to. But uh, what happened to the culture is something uh, not many people know. A lot of them went into hiding. Uh, a lot of them sort of gave up the profession by itself. But they, but there was a cult, definitely. Like they followed like a particular set of gods, and uh, they had their own yeah. uh, goddess. I, I'll look. I'll look up the name of the goddess. Was Kali? Are you sure? Was uh, it was it was Kali? It was Kali, and there was something about uh, the blood of Kali, and there's a has a tongue involved in this. It's a cult. It's a proper tantric kind of a cult, and interestingly, it also has a it also has some kind of an Islamic bent to it. Also, there are Islamic practitioners also who follow yeah, the, yeah, who are part yeah, of the cult. So, and uh, I was actually seeing, I was actually reading about fanshikars in the south. So similar to what you are saying about kabutre, but uh, the fanshikars. Actually, not, I'm not calling it right. It's not fanshikar. It's I think fasikar. Okay. Okay. Because they uh, their modus operandi is basically uh, they send these kids and uh, like you know people who don't really consider dangerous into towns, and they they used to ask around those days, you know, in the 18th century, they used to ask around who, which wealthy guy is on the road, like who has his caravan or whatever, who's on the road and what is he what is he packing basically, how much gold and stuff is he packing. And then the the information would travel uh, quickly, and then they would actually be waiting on the road. They will be on on horseback. These guys come along, then they just ambush the party, and uh, they tie up their legs, they, they tie up their hands like that. They bind them. Uh, I think like you know how you how the modern day out people appear outlaws right on the road. Um, the police guys, you know, hands behind, and they even bind their legs together, and I think they gag them. Then they uh, then they torture them, I think, or they beat them up one or the two, and then they strangle them eventually. They have to strangle them and kill them. There's they have code. to strangle the party. Yeah. It's like a weird code. That's why that's why the name Fancy Fancy Curse. Oh. So the British called them Fancy Curse because of this. But there was a cult, and they were actually connected to the Thuggies. So basically, Thuggies from the south were called Fancy Curse, and they were active in Mysore. They were active in Andhra Pradesh, and I think all the way up till Srikakulam, which is almost bordering Orissa. So similar to the kabutre, similar to that, but I think they had a slightly different uh, code. Beating, beating up to hundred percent, but used to definitely they had to strangle them, and they would they would strangle them also with like rope and stuff like that. You know, they had they had uh, their own implements for it. So it's a very interesting, uh, very interesting culture. The outlaw culture is very very yeah. interesting. It's fucked up. It's it's, it's it's really fucked up. It's really fucked up. So that's the thing, right? I mean, in, in the in the West again, in America, which holds like. Which has sort of, I don't know, used sex and violence to such a degree that they have captured our imagination as far as pop culture is concerned. But that's all pop culture is right now in the yeah, world. Yeah. It's sex and violence in some form. I don't know. Like in in the east, I think it's in the eastern hemisphere. It's 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 far more. I think it's far more violent than people actually portray it to be. I think we are a far more violent race just because we were subjugated. I think, uh, in a way, by the West. But I don't think uh, people give the Eastern Hemisphere that much credit in terms of violence, violent. or the capability of violence in the culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, think about it, dude. I mean, the most peaceful religion in the world probably is Buddhism, right? But the most number of human right violations have actually happened in de facto Buddhist countries. Have they though? I'm yeah, sure. Burma, Thailand. I, I'm sure. I mean, I, I know the I know the places you're referring to, but uh, have they? Like, if you if you were to say that Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is a crazy one, yeah. But Sri Lanka is uh, Sinhalese is is essentially uh, Hinayana Buddhism. Of, yeah, 
but I think you can be Sinhalese without being a Buddhist. I think. Yes, yes. It was they 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 obviously colored it as an ethnic war. Yes. It wasn't really a religious yeah. war. Yeah. Uh, but the capacity for violence. It's been it's been on display since the start of the 19th century in, in the East. Well, I, yeah, but China, is, you have Japan, you have Korea right now. It's the cultures. That, I mean, we have violent cultures. That's my point. We have violent cultures in the Eastern Hemisphere. And if you, we, I'm not even including the Pacific Islands. I'm not even including that culture. So the North Korea. It's not all the West. It's not all America. I mean, just because someone packs packing a gun, that same gun means horseshit in Afghanistan. I'm 100 percent sure. Yeah, the attitude is the yeah, ghetto yeah. attitude doesn't work in Afghanistan for sure. There's a great song about it. Uh, yeah, Kenan. Yeah. This is Africa. That's right. This is so beautiful. Yeah, this is Africa. I'll this take is... all the rappers on a field trip. Any day. <laughs> Any... <laughs> they never been opposite real clip anyway. I love that. It's so iconic, man. That song. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, for instance, in India, no one really talks about uh, violence as much, right? Thanks to Gandhi, but. These cultures exist, and there are plenty of other cultures, plenty of other tantric cultures. I'm sure that no one really talks about as much. And India was a dangerous place even during Gandhi's time. People don't know about it. That's what I yeah, feel. For sure, for sure. I, I'm going back to thagi, right? Like a thagi. Uh, again, that system. Although I know what you're saying when it when you say things like uh, we've been a violent culture for a long time. Thagi by itself apparently is like a more uh, recent. Uh, invention, mm -hmm. in the sense, when I say recent, means like not more than uh, seven hundred or eight hundred years old. Uh, they were, no, they were not no, around. Sixteenth century or something, yeah. right? The seventeenth century think, or something started. Yeah, or maybe but like we don't know. It's documented. Then. It's been documented. Ah, okay. Yeah, I know what you're saying. We don't know mm -hmm. how long it's been going on. And if you're referring like cults of Kali and stuff, I, we don't know how long. Puranas itself are like, by definition, no, it means old. We don't know yeah, how long. Puranas, yeah. Purana is literally that, right? So we don't know. We don't know that. It's just been documented. And the problem was in these uh, these times, the documentation was primarily carried out by Western, uh, I don't know, cultural anthropologists and stuff like that, right? The Indian Indi Indi studies people, yeah. Indian study, yeah. Did they lay the groundwork for Indian studies? They were like basically just this is a hidden culture we don't know about. Yeah, looking at it from the Let's, lens of a, uh, yeah, the yeah. monocle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, uh, those guys were, yeah, they were looking at things like in a very Western way, right? Like, uh, very this, this, this is that, like, and but when you come over here, you all you see is like a big khichdi of things. Like, yeah. yeah, like one moment you're killing, next moment you're praying and, and I mean, killing and praying usually happens in every culture uh, all the time. Yeah. But uh, I mean, apart from that also, there are many, many, many crazy things that... Uh, they were happening in this part of the world, which were just, yeah, which were just not documented. And and because you said Buddhists and like, you know, how even they've been violent. And I thought you were going to mention uh, Bodhidharma. And I was like, almost hoping that somebody who sort of, uh, you know, like, who well, he wasn't a violent guy, but he channelized what violence could do. Uh, back yeah, in the day. He, and, yeah, he was a reaction to violence in culture, right? Yeah. Because uh, he, he developed a system because there was violence and he developed it as a self-defense. So the martial arts, most martial arts are actually reactions to violence in any way. So the minute, the minute someone threw a punch and realized how devastating it can be. Tell, tell, tell talk, guy, a bit of, talk a bit more about Bodhidharma because I think a lot of people who might be listening to us might not really, uh, is, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's this, uh, this amazing YouTube channel I found. Okay, it's called Karate TV and there's a dude who runs it and it's 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 brilliant. So he has a lot of insight into Kalari. So so Bodhidharma was basically uh, a saint from Kerala. Okay, uh, I think he was a Buddhist saint from Kerala. He he basically traveled up north. So he was an emissary of sorts. So he carried with him this ancient system of martial arts and defense called the Kalari Pad, which is uh, which which at least literature says uh, was a system developed by Parshurama himself. Now, Parshurama is someone who's like uh, a de facto godfather of Kerala. Okay, almost everything in some way or the other is connected to the to Vishnu's identity. I mean, uh, the avatar with the axe, right? So, uh, and Parshurama was extremely adept at warfare. He was one Brahmin guy who lost his shit on Kshatriyas. And uh, 
Kalari Patu is basically something that he developed, and it was taken up. It was taken up by Bodhidharma in many ways. Of course, it amalgamated many systems, uh, even from uh, texts you know we have mentioned in the Mahabharata and stuff, which is crazy. Malayutta texts and stuff. There is a lot of uh, lot of literature that has gone into Kalari Patu. And uh, this guy, what's his name, Bodhidharma, he went he went up north, and he came across the the Shaolin monks in China. Uh, in China. Uh, now those days in those mountain passes, and this is just a story. Okay, there are multiple versions of this, but basically these monks were uh, who were meditating in these you know forlorn passes. There's no security for them that the state could provide at the time. The state being the monarch, right? And there were a lot of bandits along the way, and they used to apparently loot these monks and leave the monasteries dry. Okay, so when Bodhidharma came across these monks, so along with Buddhist tenets and principles. He also apparently handed over certain basic doctrines of Kalari the system, and that over time was adapted by the monks, and uh, it, it's 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 what we have what we have now is the modern Shaolin Kung Fu version of Kalari Pai. So there are a lot of to, things. Even all, all the way up to, yeah, yeah. Those is people travel like shit, dude. It was uh, on foot. It's crazy to think of. I mean, like Adi Shankaracharya also went all the way from the south. He circum. Uh, went to the entire uh, Indian uh, border, right? Northeast, west. Eventually, he died. He, had, he passed away 32 because travel caught up with him. But Bodhidharma also, he went all the way up north and he taught them. So, when you actually compare the systems of uh, Shaolin, Kung Fu, and Kalari Paito, there are a lot of similarities, especially when it comes to the animal stances, so, so to speak, the animal styles. So, even they have their version of uh, the cat or the tiger or the leopard. Um, they also have their version of the eagle. So there are a lot of uh, a lot of similarities between the systems. They also have the version of staff fighting, which is also uh, something that I believe went to Sri Lanka and became Silambam, I think it's called. The art of staff fighting, staff fighting with sticks, basically. So, yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, Buddhists, Buddhists in a way, always react to violence because it is not something that is... Uh, uh, I mean, Buddha doesn't say reaction to violence is a bad thing per se. Especially if it falls under the ambit of protecting people near you, protecting your community, then you actually earn good karma for uh, indulging in violence. Is that so? So Are you sure. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a very gray area uh, when it comes to like yin and yang or black and white kind of moral codes. But uh, karma, uh, the, the Buddhist view of karma is very different. Upliftment of society, the greater good of the community, is also a form of compassion, and violence can be a vehicle. Of course, uh, there are a lot of people who will negate this, but history plays itself out. Yeah, it's always like that. It's 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 very it's it's a little it's a little it's a little difficult to it's difficult to it's, digest. it's very similar to it's a little difficult to digest. Yes, I mean there is there is that is one stance that one can take philosophically, and one can actually probably argue within the Buddhist system, especially of uh, Mahayana. It's a it's a possibility. It's something very yearly similar to. Arjuna's problem, right? In the in in the in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, he he's goaded to take up violence just to preserve his karma and to do his duty, right? Tell me something though. Uh, it's weird. It's it's obviously weird. It's also interesting because you said that because uh, uh, if you were to protect your society, right, in say Buddhism, uh, hmm. and and you were to take up violence for it, what it implies for somebody like me, who's like an ex who doesn't know too much about it, obviously, I'm like a bit of a knucklehead about these kind of things. So what it implies to me is the fact that you're attached to your society. That's why you're trying to protect it, and that attachment is something that Buddha's one of his main tenets is like that leads to suffering. Aren't you sort of going into some sort of a logical uh, cycle? Um, see, the thing is. Uh... I'll, I'll, let me try and explain it to you. Okay, I'll, I'll try and articulate whatever I. I'm not an expert, but I've, from whatever I've read, I'll tell you. Now I'm referring to the thought process of the Mahayana sect of Buddhism. Okay. Okay, it's it's called the Greater Vehicle Buddhism. Okay. So um, in that, Mahayana, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mahayana. So you know, the, there there are basically three large large schools of Buddhism, larger schools of Buddhism, the old classical way. I'm not accounting for Chinese. And Japanese versions, uh, it's, it's the because they're also sort of uh, I don't know versions of these three schools itself, but they're mixed with the local syncretic religions. Okay, but uh, one is Mahayana, the other one is Hinayana, and the third one is Vajrayana, which is Vajrayana is basically a subset of Mahayana only. It's sort of 
it's just a it's a slight shift in the attitude towards uh, the path to liberation okay that's what is theravada the then is. uh theravada is actually a branch of hinayana only okay so so i tell you what so in 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 uh, in so in the theravada or the hinayana uh, route i think what what is basically prescribed is you need to free yourself of complete attachment okay which means that you need to isolate yourself in entirety in order to achieve what is called the arhatud okay arhatud is a sense of it's a, it's an enlightened uh, space for any human being to achieve okay it's a metaphysical state they don't i think they don't believe that uh, they, they believe that there was only one and one buddha after that there were only arhats okay there were uh, there were only bodhis and arhats and there's no buddha after that there's only one there can be only one buddha as opposed to that the mahayana sect what they believe is there can be multiple buddhas anyone can become buddha and for them it is not important to isolate and take the the so called shramana tradition to an extent where you have to completely negate the world and sort of detach yourself completely from the world you don't have to go through starvation starvation you don't have to go through like you know rejection of pleasures of the world because what buddha believed also apparently and this is part of the madhyamaka tradition which is the the middle path in that he realized that in order to enforce spiritual training mind and body is very important and nourishment is very important so he didn't believe like you could uh, you could you could be a jaini and avoid food and nutrition and you know just starve yourself and that is the only way to attain uh, salvation that's not what he believed so as a part of the middle middle path what he's what he prescribed was you uh, your sense of enlightenment comes from others okay they can be your vehicle to salvation so if you have enough compassion for people around you and for your community ensure that you negate their sufferings also through your teachings okay and they sort of come on to your path the path of true buddhahood then you achieve true nirvana so in a way uh, the buddha was actually calling for uh, communal upliftment not just one person runs away to the mountains and you know no he needs to be there he needs to be part of daily social life he needs to strive to ensure that everyone sort of eliminates suffering from their lives only then can true buddha would be achieved and that's why mahayana tradition also believes that there can be multiple buddhas and uh, and 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 the minute the minute you start striving for communal upliftment as far as spiritual training is concerned you're already a bodhi you're on the path of enlightenment so in a way in a way if you can protect community because there are many uh, uh, what do you say stimuli for uh, suffering right one of them is violence yeah so if you actually if you actually sort of uh, i don't know if you were to say that there is actually a war on your dharma and it is as per your dharma's precepts that you have to stand up now and fight and you have to take to violence in order to protect for the greater good that's one argument for violence in buddhism and there's one argument for violence even in uh, the vedanta tradition in a way which is what is there in the bhagavad gita so it's it's very uh, very interesting it's it's very very interesting and it's yeah. extremely complex i haven't done even one percent justice to the complexity of buddhism it's very very complex it's crazy i'm not even touch vajrayana which is a different uh, it's a different level vajrayana is slightly different because it's tantric so it's all about uh so the mahayana tradition is about the means to an end right where you take everyone along sort of so to speak community and everything and vajrayana is all about the end so you start with the end in mahayana you start with the means but in vajrayana you start with the end so so in vajrayana in many ways no stimuli to pleasure no stimuli to any kind of attachment is bad as long as your your mind is already set on the result so it's it's a little subtle the metaphysical cues are slightly, slightly subtle the starting points are slightly different but they also believe similar things to what uh, the mahayana tradition talks about like in multiple buddhas communal uplifting and stuff like that so it's these are this is just an interpretation i'm just saying it's an interpretation but it's very interesting yeah, if people so are interested i mean they can just type yeah. out on wikipedia so yes exploding it's, my mind like in a way there is a entire wikipedia page buddhism and violence it doesn't talk about like it being justified okay there's a difference it's not no one will talk about it being justified in a way but no, i'm 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 no willing to bet yeah yeah but i'm willing to bet that uh, 
the Buddha, when shit really hits the fan and he sees no way out, he would believe that it is in his karma to go to violence. I think that would be a very, very, a very plausible situation. It's a it's antithetical to what people generally believe, right? Perceive about Buddhism. But even people largely believe in Hindus are very peaceful. But when you actually scratch the surface and you go deeper into the belly of Hinduism and the philosophies, it's scary. Like because karma is not yeah. karma is not about good and evil. It's not that simple. Karma is not about good and evil. You can incur good karma by harming people, and that's very very weird. And that's why that's why there are so many stories of. Uh, Demons being harmed in Buddhism, Jainism, and Hinduism. Demons being slaughtered all the time by gods. But that is that is how they attain purification in their lives. So yeah. That's what the story of uh, Bhagavad Gita is also like in a way. He's coaxing. Yeah. He's being coaxed to go ahead and. Uh, he's being coaxed. Yeah. To kill. He's being coaxed to kill. The thing is, uh, you can't understand that that dharmic aspect, right? You can't understand without you know choosing really extreme situations and circumstances. As an example, you have to put a very extreme circumstance or a situation to make you to make you understand the concept at play of dharma and karma. And there's nothing more extreme than going to war against your own bloodline. And you know, being faced with the possibility of or being faced uh, with the task of vanquishing your entire bloodline, or at least a major part of your bloodline. Yeah. Nothing gets worse than that. If you turn on your family, that's the worst thing you can anyone can be asked to do. And in that extreme situation, Krishna actually makes him see, understand, like what it means to actually do your duty, what you are made to do on this earth. You know, strive for the greater good and stuff like that. That's basically what it is. That's, yeah, that's pretty mad. I don't even feel like changing the subject right now. That's that's pretty pretty intense shit, man. Yeah, man, it's uh, I, it's violence. I mean, I think we can learn a lot about uh, ourselves from violence. It's very, very strange. Our capacity for it, uh, the way we, the way we um, run away from it in today's modern culture, where we are sitting comfortably in our homes, but it's a very real part of us, and it's 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 been encoded over so many centuries of, I mean, millennia of evolution, right? It's not something that will go away. That's why it sort of it surfaces. Like it rears its ugly head through films, through movies, through art. It continues to do so. I mean, even Ray Donovan is one of the oldest stories ever told about a man seeking salvation and trying to protect his family, and he indulges in violence to do so. He has no choice but to do so. So it's even 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 uh, even Christ had to go through violence to prove a point. He had to sacrifice himself. He had to become the sacrificial lamb of God, right? Yeah. That's the whole idea of the cross. So he had to bear his own cross, and he had he had to have violence. He accepted crucifixion. He had to have violence inflicted on his body so that people would actually understand what he's talking about. Scary. Everything comes from violence. It's the most extreme example, right? And in that extreme example, if light can shine through, then you have like you have like a certain philosophy that can probably be a path to salvation for spiritual seekers. It's a very scary thought. So yeah. In a way, when we are running away from violence in modern culture, we're probably running, running away from, away from spiritual from salvation. Yeah. In a very weird sense, I don't know. That's just an idea. You, yeah, you. I mean, I don't think this podcast will blow up. But if it blows up, <laughs> then we are in trouble, right? No, man. I mean, uh, we are already in trouble. I don't know. I don't think we are in trouble. I mean, the, the the best part about the Eastern traditions of thought, right? They're always open to debate and they're open to discourse and they're more than willing for multiple counterpoints. So I'm not, uh, I don't think there's anything to be worried about. That's because the canon is not defined, right? Usually. No, that, it, it is defined, but the thing is, uh, I, I haven't read enough. I don't know, actually. It may be defined in Buddhism because there are so many sutras, there are so many. You know, when you actually scratch the surface, it's amazing how something like Buddhism came out of India and we have no strain of Buddhism alive today. No strain of Buddhism. The, um, the profound effects of this thought process, this one man who came from 
Lumbini in Nepal, present in Nepal, and he sat under a tree in Bodhgaya, Bihar, which is which was a shithole until now. I don't know how it is right now. And Nalanda's up in ruins. I mean, this guy, he just he came up with this insane philosophy that sort of just morphed into this world religion in the most peaceful way, as far as as I mean, as, relatively as far peaceful. As, yeah, yeah, of course. As far as yeah. even even Genghis Khan, even Genghis Khan, in many ways uh, bowed down to a lot of saints. Though he, though his armies went and murdered and plundered tons of monasteries in Tibet, but ultimately he was also looking for a spiritual leader from Buddhism. That just tells you, like, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're like telling me things I did not know. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. His son and his son also was like, uh, so it's not like they didn't plunder and rape and pillage. Even Buddhist, very very peaceful Shangri-Las and Tibet those days. But uh, it's 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 crazy. Like you have India here, you had Buddhism in Afghanistan and in Pakistan. You had Gilgit Baltistan where Buddhism was a major religion. Up until the 12th or 13th century, before Islam uh, came and converted, majority of people actually opted to convert. That's a different story. But the fact that it was so widespread so quickly, and people said Christianity was is one of the greatest missionary religions of the world, right? No one really talks about Buddhist uh, Buddhism as far as missionary religions. And it did go not around. require that sort of effort to go around. It, it did not. It did not require an evangelical effort. Yeah. You know where you actually go and you 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 basically cow down populations with socio-economic sort of constraints. You know what I mean? It was it was plainly spiritual. It was plainly debate-oriented, discourse-oriented from a large, relatively large point of view. I mean that's what I tried to come at. So there was this lady on uh, not, not uh, was she a lady? I don't know. Uh, basically, a person who follows our page on Instagram who was talking about missionary work, right? And uh, for some reason, she was she was only alluding to missionary work from a Christian point of view. And I told her, listen, what makes you think that uh, there's no missionary work for any great world religion organized or quasi-organized world religions in the world? Hinduism had their missionaries. Buddhism had their missionaries. And Buddhism missionary work was so great, it basically took over Central Asia, took over Mongolia, man. So it's that tremendous expanse. No, There was no telling. I mean, it could have probably... if. Things hadn't changed the way it did through course of through the course of history. It would have even invaded uh, the Pacific Islands. I don't know. It's possible. That would be crazy. Imagine like that would have been crazy. Polynesia and uh, having like a big Buddha statue over there. And uh, another amazing culture of violence in the Poly- in the Polynesian lands, Polynesia, Melanesia, Hawaii. Those cultures are bad, motherfuckers. They are. Pretty, pretty, pretty they've bad. Got, they've, yeah, they've got a difficult, yeah, they've got a difficult life, and I mean, yeah. I, I was Cannibal, cannibalism, cannibalism, like, and just they're so. I, I, I think that I think in New Zealand, the Maoris, the the whites had to actually basically broker a treaty or something with them, just to get their services in the war, because they realized these guys were bad people, man. They were super awesome at war, but it would be interesting if uh, Buddhism went there. I don't know how they would have reacted to that. What's very, to very say, yeah, what's to say it cannot go now? I, I don't know. But now it'd be like uh, for different reasons. I don't know if it goes there now. I don't see it going now. I don't see it going now because now what has happened in this age of awareness, they are actually celebrating their uh, pagan, natural mm-hmm. pagan kind of faith. And war and everything is very much part of the culture. And they celebrate it. They celebrate it through rituals and ceremonies. They don't really actually go to war. And, but uh, violence is still in their blood. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm just... I, I mean, sorry, just one more thing. I mean, in Tibet, before Buddhism actually took hold, right? There was a religion called Bon. Or I think it was called Bonpa something, okay, in Tibetan. It was a pagan shamanistic kind of religion with a lot of animal sacrifice and stuff involved. Very, a lot of scary stuff. And eventually in Tibet... When you say Vajrayana a lot form, of uh, animal sacrifice, you mean yak sacrifice? Yaks, uh, yaks, and there's a certain wild mountain goat called Siro, I think, or it's an antelope. I'm not sure if it's, I don't know if there's a difference. It's called a Siro. So they used to basically uh, sacrifice these, they used to be called the red offerings. It's called the red offerings. <laughs> Could you that's be where, more uh, graphic? <laughs> yeah, that's where that uh, the, the village head is like, he means business. <laughs> so, stuff like that. It's a, 
and, and and now now the the vajrayana form of buddhism is actually it it, it takes up a lot of there are parallel rituals between the old born and the vajrayana buddhism there's hardly any difference in rituals so that the buddhism has taken a different form the killing has stopped so to a large extent the killing had stopped because of a a, a, a fantastic buddhist buddhist monk called padma sambhava who was born in I think somewhere near present-day Swat Valley, I think, or Chakdara. I don't know where Chakdara is in Pakistan. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you lost. Uh, you lost current. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The transformer just burst or some shit happened, man. It was like a big boom behind me. So yeah. Crazy shit. No, I was, I was actually telling you about uh, this monk who came from. Uh, yeah, the Swat uh, Of yeah, somewhere near not, not exactly Swat Valley. I don't know where Chakdar is. Let me just check it out. So he came from that part of Pakistan into Tibet, and he. Sort of introduced uh, religious, not not religious, religious reforms for sure, but also social reforms. So he basically, you know, got that whole practice sort of eliminated to a large extent, to a large extent. But yeah, it's very interesting. It's fascinating, right? I mean, all of this came from India, man. And now look where India is in the religion discourse. Yeah, it's pretty it's shitty. Ah, yeah, exactly, man. That's one of the things, right? Like, the kind of chutias we have discussing this kind of stuff right now in this country, it's uh, it's unbelievable to me. And how, how much can you have cultural amnesia? I mean, every once in a while, I... Dude, i sorry, I just checked out where Chakdara is. It's like so close to... Uh, uh, it's it's basically Khyber Pakhtunwa region. That's literally... It's the, Swat district. Yeah. It's a Swat district. So he came from Swat, just imagine. <laughs> Which is now, I don't know how it is right now, but I'm pretty sure it's still a hello. Yeah, of it's, course, it's a hello. It's a Mogadishu of Pakistan still, right? In a, in many ways, I'm it's sure. It's a Mogadishu of this part of the I, world in general, yeah. There is uh, yeah, South probably. Asia. South Asia, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, so imagine, yeah. imagine this guy went from there to Tibet, the entire plateau, and he basically reformed a bunch of shit there. So these guys, yeah, I mean, these were not always hellholes, right? I mean, Khyber Pass has like its own. Rich, rich history, and yeah, and I was, I was checking out this. I know somebody was doing a vlog on this the other day. I don't know who it was. Was it Vice or somebody else? Shuru shall be from Vice, or somebody else. These guys were trying to buy, uh, buy illegal handmade guns uh, in the Swat Valley, like on the Khyber Pass, basically. And it was insane. It was just unbelievable. And, and and like, I mean, like they're making Kalakashinos and. American rifles basically in small workshops. Like the kind of workshops you and I used to work in in a MBA co- engineering college, right? Huh. Small workshops. Yeah. Smaller than that stuff, right? Like people who have Maybe got the uh, got, got the projects. Yeah. You know, we got the projects also made there, right? Yeah, yeah. All our projects. Yeah. So that's what it's a weird place. In it's a weird place. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that was bad. So uh, you got these people who are just making guns and Shuru Shelby is like uh, the Americans have no idea what they're fucking with because they and like you know like when when these guys want to uh, when these people in the SWAT Valley when they want to uh, go and check out if the gun is working properly and they want to do the aiming practice they just go to the top of the house and they start shooting in the mountain I was like dude there's like a whole market down there and nobody blinks an eye right like nobody no people just go yeah. about their business having their breakfast and shit and they're like four guys on the top and they're just shooting at the mountain range uh, like which is like a few kilometers away I'm like. What the fuck is going on? And that's what even like the guy from Vice is thinking. Like, how is this like normal for these people? And he's like, uh, Americans have no idea what they're fucking with, right? Like, they're like, there's a whole, it's a mad, it's a mad culture. So, it's, uh, it's I don't know, I don't know, like react to that. Yeah. So the, uh, the Pathans and the like, yeah, like 
the patans afrikis i think are also patans right or yeah, yeah. they like a yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i have uh, the there was a basically. there's a church here in bombay it's called the afghan church uh kolaba yes. right i think it's Kulaba, made yeah. in the memory of the soldiers that died in the afghan war the british soldiers that died in the afghan war the funny thing is pretty much everybody died in the afghan war like i don't think anybody survived yeah, yeah. they they used to chop their dicks off and stuff them in their own mouths uh, the, yeah. the, the the patans would do that to the british soldiers so nobody like like nobody survived man except dr watson who then went to sherlock holmes and <laughs> and yeah. became a friend <laughs> He lost a leg though, at least in the show, right? Yeah, but there's some. I'm not sure in the Afghan novels if he. There's a. That's the older Afghan. The actual Afghan war, like I think that's the actual uh, origin story of Doctor Watson, that he. Uh, so in the, in the novel also, he was part of that Afghan war. Exactly, and in the show, Frank, uh, like fortunately for them, another Afghan war took place just before the BBC yeah. did the rendition of that. There were multiple Afghan wars. <laughs> there's always an Afghan war. But, yeah, man. but that's the thing right like no like you were saying right this level of discourse doesn't exist in india no one really talks about this start up like turn your news channel on you see either you either, either get those channels uh, i'm not going to take the names but like they just uh, they either blabbing on the news i i i can't take no, i don't any I, <laughs> who's going to see this podcast anyway <laughs> shit so are you bro mudu how how freaking uh, important do you want a uh, generation to be listen to you guys man? like like and yeah that's what sort of discourse does not exist i mean it just does not where where it's like it's, it's a free for all like you say what you want man let's see what you got and uh, yeah those is are gone right now and, and even even if there is a discourse is is just not a very high level anymore it's very strange and like news channels so i don't even count them as i don't know why people still hold them to their word but it's the worst time for discourse or debate in india i feel i don't think there has ever been a lower level achieved i think in indian history i really no, never, never 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 i don't think uh, this i can i think we can pretty much agree i don't think at any given point in indian history was discourse at such a level even the 70s 80s there was a was at a pretty high level from whatever i have read the kind of literature that was being like uh, people were writing published. letters to the editor and arguing yeah. over that right and like no matter how much of an idiot you were you still had to have some sort of an understanding of the world for writing letters to the editor and for those letters to get published sometimes published yeah yeah now But the now idea is, is uh, some fucker comes to your uh, youtube page and is like yeah to chutte hai to pata nahi kuch bhi like that's not a discourse ha exactly you could have said the same thing better like in two paragraphs and it would have been nice right yeah i could have probably pointed out there was some maybe some factual errors in whatever i spoke about about this maybe maybe there is a difference of opinion something like that i mean yeah. but it's not there and even with the spiritual leaders it's they have nothing to talk about apart from uh, the youtube like, channels have the esoteric stuff Yeah, the YouTube channels and are based on ideas like uh, this dude burns this guy, this dude like totally owns this guy. I'm like, that's not the point to begin with. Like, uh, if yeah. you're a fucking spiritual guru, the last thing you want to do is burn or own somebody. Imagine Buddha going around like, I own you, motherfucker. <laughs> like, I burned you. Like, even in Buddha's time, it would have been some metaphorical shit. Huh? It would have been some allegorical, metaphorical shit where you know, in a metaphorical, metaphorical realm, this being metaphysically burnt and through my, you know. my debate and then there's a full fucking painting made and 800 years we are like oh wow this is an amazing painting what a great tanka made and today it's like it's youtube comment yeah burn the people are uh, I, I, i don't get it people are fucking people are uh, like labeling their youtube channels like that right and i don't get the fucking point of it i'm like you're a guru why would you why would you name it's your own channel nobody's doing it for you so your own channel you're allowing people to say things like this dude owns uh, five students i'm like you don't want to own students why would you want to own students like they're students for a reason right they're still learning like what the fuck would you want to own very, sounds very very wrong also 
Yeah, <laughs> Call no, no, I mean, I used to look those, uh, look at those Ben Shapiro videos and I was like, this dude keeps talking about being yeah. civil and shit and he's always ஒரு <laughs> and uh, the the spiritual leaders were supposed to lead us to salvation they only gave us diluted versions of yoga or some bullshit esoteric stuff like you know inner this and inner that and it's just uh, some and people also ask stupid questions like you know i i i broke up with my beti ko beti paida nahi ho rahi ha mere bete ko beta nahi ho raha ha yeah and then fucking like, stupid answer like yeah tell him to fuck on thursday yeah oh, that uh, that's or just call me next time if it doesn't work <laughs> it's called neo it's still there so but uh, it's just i don't know it's just weird is this weird fucking retarded guy that was a good conversation yeah did you record yeah yeah we recorded i i abhi abhi are recording we're still recording i think but we should be done i don't think anybody wants to hear us talk that much yeah anymore but it was interesting this culture of violence that came from so we talked about movies pop culture in america sex and violence culture of violence swung back to india then we moved out again to liberia came back to india again talked about like cults propagating violence and then how we are a culture of violence and then we talked about buddhism jesus yeah and the uselessness of uh, the news channel and then of course yeah yeah that's that's our favorite yeah. topic anyway yeah should we call it a day we should call it a day i think I yeah think. and uh, i'm going to hit the offer and thank Fuck, you it was good to talk to you man yeah it was also it was thank you ladies and gentlemen uh, for tuning in and uh, and uh, yeah that's it for us today we'll be back tomorrow bye bye